The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. Today we have a very special episode. We are talking to a great man who's won the competition two times before. He's also come top, I think, 25 again. He's gone over to the other competition. He's done pretty well there. We're talking to the GOATs, Selby, about AFL Fantasy. Let's go! G'day and welcome again to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy. Joined, as always, by Coach of the Mighty Oxlongs, Luke Rogerson, mate. And uh, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm a bit starstruck today. There's a, <laughs> there's a big big guest waiting in the wings here. and uh, Mate, I thought you were hiding it well. I've said for every one of these that I'm excited, but I think that's an understatement compared to this one. We are talking to the GOAT. Should we get him on screen? Let's get the great man in here. Absolutely. There he is. Welcome, Selby. Selby. Welcome to the Ball Boys. How are you, mate? G'day, boys. Thanks for the pump up. Nice to be on. Yeah, Absolutely. good to have you on. And uh, we, uh, you know, we, we've been talking to a lot of uh, great members of the fantasy community. It is a really great uh, fantasy community. And um, you uh, yourself are one with quite the resume. Um, so it's good to have you on to chat here. The first thing I want to do is just, again, continue the, uh, the pump up of your tires here. But just in case that anyone who listening has, is not aware of, I guess, your story, and, and I'm sure they have heard of your name along the way, but, but I guess your philosophies with AFL Fantasy that led to you winning back-to-back uh, cars in the competition. Just talk about through what that was and, and how that's then evolved into Marrera's magic as we, as we know it today. Yep, so 2017 is when... Uh, came into the limelight, winning the comp by, I think it was a record margin, 500 and something points. And I went slightly different, which isn't different new age. Everyone listening to this knows what to do, but picked pretty well a full team of value players, not all mid-prices, but people who I thought could outperform their price and obviously deemed successful. So then the year after that, I essentially just had that same team I had the year before and plugged and played similar ilk players, similar price points, similar metrics on why I think they could outperform and, yeah, backed it up and went again, coming a draw and, and tying for the, the first place in 2018. So obviously that structure and methodology works or worked at least, which fast forward to 2024 and uh all pre-season, as you know, content's about finding yeah. that value. So we all know full well how to uh, how to succeed in this game. But that's really where I stumbled across what I think is the uh, the true pride and true method. How, how does that feel just to like know that you're like I, I mean I refer to you or I I talk about you as like the Steph Curry of AFL fantasy. You changed the game, like you know you popularized the value elements. You know Steph popularized the three point game, uh, like. Do you, do you kind of sit back and sort of go like, wow, it's pretty crazy that like my methods have sort of influenced, I guess, the next, you know, 
generation or whatever you call it of, of fantasy strategy? Oh, it's funny because people were picking these mid prices prior to twenty seventeen. It's just that it all seemed to work out well. So those people probably figured, shit, I was there before, so it could have been me. That's gone so far. I'm now trying to find the balance between hunting that valley, but also getting those points on field too. And I'm finding that sweet spot, particularly this year, mm. very hard to nail. Something that I think intrigues me, mate, is you mentioned obviously that it, it very much since you, you won back to back, it's it's um, become that copycat league. Everyone's sort of implementing the strategy that you use. It, are there any times where you look and, and you think that there's um, you know some mistakes that people make in trying to implement your strategy? So they're implementing it, but it's just they're not quite getting it right. Are there a few mistakes that you see that are pretty common? Uh, I wouldn't say common. It's the, 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 uh, the market's so sophisticated now. Everyone's smarter data's more accessible, got content like yourself out there. So people know what they're doing. In terms of mistakes, mistakes, I think it's throwing out a baby with a bathwater. So say yeah. in, I think it was 20, was it 20 or 2019 maybe when it was the Tom Phillips from Hawthorne, CBAs. Ooh, yes, I remember that year. Later actually. 150 in the preseason. Then there was a Jordan Ngoi midfield move and there was a Jordan Clark big preseason. He got a 140 in the preseason of halfback flank. So we all picked these players and they all flopped. It was back, um, rewind back to 2015 when mid-cross were a dirty word and people like, oh, well, obviously that didn't work. That value didn't work. So they went back to the old tried and true guns and rooks. So I think it's more keeping that right philosophy. They're not always going to come off. And this year I think they'd be what, 50 names of players who we deem to be good value. They're not all going to pay off with value, but as long as you're doing the right things and applying the right metrics over the course of the years, more often than not, they will pay off. So, yeah, in terms of a a mistake would be uh, just using one failed mid-pricer as a reason why not to go. Yeah, there's definitely that temptation to get trigger happy and chop blokes out of your team and put blokes into your team based on only a few data points. So I think it's good staying true to the method is, is what's required over the course. Yeah, and I think um, I think when I was coming into AFL Fantasy, I started with uh, Fantasy Basketball and came into AFL Fantasy a little bit later in the game. And I think it was 2021 where I was I first got your uh, season guide and, and we're going to shout this out a few times on the podcast, but absolutely, if you haven't got your Marrera's Magic season guide, it's almost a must-have these days. So go and pick that up. But um, I was sort of still learning my way around it. And a lot of the time, I think my mistake was I was trying to go too heavy into finding like just value at all costs. And I think there was a, a, a Zach Williams at the time where I went down that path instead of someone like a Darcy Parrish. And it was some of those like 50-50 calls where you look back and it's like, you know, it, it's gone derailed one way and then it's completely gone. If I had just had this other player, it could have my season could have been totally different. So just kind of yeah. finding that balance. Yeah, that's also the sliding doors. Like Zach Williams came off, if I remember the year correctly, I think he was averaging 108, playing midfield for GWS, moved to Carlton, writing was on the wall. Like everything that could have that could have worked. So that's almost back to the other mentality. Where it's like you're not going to get everything right, and if it doesn't, then it's like, well, that's all right. I'll go again next year and hope that it does pay off. And I said more often than not, it should pay off, but we can't just get it's it's too hard of a game to think that we're going to get every single call. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Correct. Yeah, yeah 100%. Um, if, if we were to, again, take another step back for you, if you, if you were to predict, so obviously the value development has been sort of like the, the game-changing strategy for the last several years. What, what do you predict to be sort of like that next development or next growth in AFL fantasy strategy sort of league-wide? Or, or do you think that, uh, I mean, to your best prediction? Uh, good question and requires a bit of thought. So this year, this is obviously going to be completely different with these buy rounds. And I'm sure enough's been talked about the buy rounds over the preseason that we don't need to go too deep into them. But I dare say there's going to be a different methodology around that. And whether Tasmania come in and there's an, a yeah, buy round in point. the second week, there might be a bit to play with there. But there's a reason why the value option has been working the last seven years. It's because those top-end guys haven't backed it up and performed again. So it's been quite easy that, yes, you're... By going the value, you take your haircut on the top end and hope that you can eventually catch them and complete your team quicker. And it's helped the fact that Roy Laird didn't back it up last year that he did the year before, Jack Steele and Tuke Miller. Whereas back in the day before this value method was working, there was Gary Ablett Jr., Dane Swan, Dean Cox and the Ruck, who every year just kept getting their 120s, 120s, 120s. So all we'll take is for Bontempelli this year to go 125. And those who have started with him and ignored the value and said, stuff you, Selby, are going to then... <laughs> have this guy Bondapelli worth $1.3 million and no one can get back up and afford him. So I'm, I'd like to, oh, the, the data's there to show that over seven years, no one started, no winning team started with anyone priced over 116. So I'm happy to say, well, if I keep doing this, yes, one in seven, it might not work, but more often than not, it will work. But yeah, in terms of a different strategy, which could work, it could be paying up for those fully priced players and having them completely dominate and back it up and looking at, the rest of the comp, knowing that they won't be able to afford them and get them in. I think it's interesting too. I don't know whether there's something to this, but the game of AFL these days is just so difficult to play. Like the, the running that's required, the physicality, and then from a strategic perspective, mm. clubs are so good at, at um, making you do what you don't want to do. So those guys just going around year to year, just backing up those 120s, teams are just probably not going to let them do that in terms of strategy as well. So um, I'm a bit inclined to think the way you do, Selby. If, if the data says that over seven years um, that's the case, then I think we have, to, yeah. we have to go with that. The other interesting point that I thought of just while you were, you were speaking there, Selby, is that we've, we've also at this interesting point where just the, the, the league, there's this kind of wave, I think, coming up of these young stars as well. So players like a Nick Dacos, Tom Green, Errol Goulden, like they're at the very beginning of their prime and they're already like top of their line. So who's to say they're not going to maybe take another step up as a bit of a, of a differing opinion. And uh, this year, obviously, all three of those guys that I just mentioned have the early buy, so it dissuades us from picking them. But in a normal year, maybe it might buck the trend a little bit. Um, now, I, I like Luke, I, I kind of agree with you, but yeah, it is interesting to see that, you know, maybe, you know, the, the same strategy might not work year on year, but that's why we play the game, isn't it? Um, let's talk about uh, the next question here. What have you got over there, Luke? Yeah, so um, I've heard you mention, you know, on numerous occasions, it's it's predominantly a trading game, but obviously we spend uh, the whole preseason obsessing over our starting teams, changing them 3,000 <laughs> times so. and cocking it up most of the time. But when, when you're looking at that starting team, mate, what uh, what is it that you're looking for in a, a starting worthy player? What are you assessing um, to make your decisions based around those? guys that you're starting yeah I like to 
try to make sure every player can at least perform in line with what they're priced at, which typically if they played a full season or more than 10 games the year before is what they averaged the year before. So my top-end premiums, I want to find a way where, well, why are why were they down the year before or why are they going to improve it this year? Is it the young kid, as you mentioned, Sarong, Golden, Tom Green, are they going to break out and just go even better? Or is it the older guy who had a down year with injury-wise, whether it's Jack Steele or Ollie Wines, where if they can bounce back anywhere near the best, can they get there? So I like playing. I don't know which one's more successful. That was going to be my think, next question. <laughs> yeah, the older ones I think are, are safer, knowing that they have that ability to do so. Like even a Caleb Sarong we saw last year, he went, First year in the comp 80, second in the comp 80, 30 in the comp 90, and then just went bang. So mm. if we didn't really know that there's going to be a Will Brody, who was one of the Dockers' best players the year before, get kicked out of the team, I was pretty bullish on Yago Amira, who didn't really give much of a yelp. So I was thinking, trying to think, well, how's Sarong going to fit in there and, and get that breakout? So a lot of it comes down to chance, and we can't pick them all, as I mentioned, off the, off the top. But you can know that if someone, like in my glory years, when I picked whether it was a Oh, a Dyson Heppel or Mark Murphy in the midfield who came off an injury and had we knew in the past they had gone 25 points above what they were priced at. They were still, yes, less than 30 years old. So if everything goes well and they keep that back roll, they should get that upside. So I think the older one bounce back is the safer one. Yep. But uh, there's also a bit of risk with that too, mind you, with injury-wise. If you get the young kid who goes, like we saw last year, Butters, Rosie, Sarong, Goulden, they just they just go the next level. How, how would you assess, like, figuring out which of those older guys are going to be the ones that bounce back? Because I remember last year, and same question for us this year, Jack McRae was on everyone's lips of that guy. He was priced at 104 last year, and some mentality was saying, well, he's done 116s, whatever the past, he can go back up to that. Um and, you know, obviously that didn't, that didn't work out. Now, that's not to say that he can't, you know, be that guy this year. But w- what in your mind are you looking for as to, like, whether or not that is something that's possible versus something that's not possible? And what, what's that sort of look like to you? Uh, well, age is one. It's, it's tough to see someone getting back to their best if they're over 30. And then it's, real. <laughs> then, it's, then it's role, obviously. And yeah. the most uh, easily accessible data we've got is CBA. So... You mentioned McRae, he had that dip in CBAs last year, the year before, sorry, coming into last year. And with Dunkley going, we thought, okay, well, he'll get a bit more back in the midfield and could get back to that 116 level. We didn't know there was going to be Bontempelli full-time midfielder and he was going to be the main beneficiary of Tom Libertore. So things certainly, you can have the right philosophies and think this is going to work, but it's not always going to play out. But You've got to try to predict what role they're going to play and if you think it's going to be the same. So we mentioned Ollie Wines off the top coming off an injury, but when he was in his Brownlow year, there was no such thing as a, a Zach Butters yeah. and a Rosie doing what they're doing now. So you've got to kind of weigh that up with where you think they can go and, and try to mix it all together. And that's kind of the, the as you said, you change your team 3,000 times the preseason. <laughs> this is where it's all unknown. When it becomes a training game, we know what the role is. We know yeah. what they're scoring. We know what the break even is. We know what other people around the top own. So quite often your hands force for you, whereas this is the great unknown. I think it's why we love it. This time of year, it's all hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another month, it's all, it's all nerves, and then another month after that's all disappointment, but we, we love it. Can I ask a, sorry, can I ask a, a yeah. quick follow-up? So you mentioned, obviously, training game. Like, does that, that to you, mean that um, Team Vanilla can be the way to go at the start um, to make it a training game? I think so. You look back at 
the winning teams over the last oh, – we've got the four in the article just put up on the season guide and yeah. I dare say anyone would look at them and be like, well, I thought that was pretty well my team. <laughs> what did I with yeah. the highlights? <laughs> there might be a few tweaks. Like the winner last year was he didn't have Josh Dunkley. He was a yeah. popular forward and expensive and had a Jaden Hunt and you say a trading game. would have been very strong not to trade out a Jaden Hunt after his 60 in round one, particularly with his low ownership percentages. So that's where it becomes that – that training game and a, a vanilla team typically, I don't think you, I think you guys have even said this before, but you can't lose the car with a, with yeah. a vanilla team leading into round one. Yeah. Yeah. But you can certainly lose it with a, with a out there pick that just puts you a step behind the rest of the competition. Um, to, to reflect back on your winning years, you, you won it um, back when there was a Friday night lockout before this new age fantasy of a rolling lockout, which is a bit more similar to the super coach game. What, what would you make to your strategy in your winning years when you are considering the rolling lockout in today's game? And, and even off the back of some news more recently that like the subs are not going to be announced until an hour before and things like that, how, how much can we do to prepare with those kind of elements with this rolling lockout uh, for 2024? Yeah, well, for one, I wouldn't have won, for yeah. sure. <laughs> I don't know, mate. I'll back you in. A part of... Part of why I felt like I went well is because I didn't couldn't watch much footy over the weekend. I was yeah. playing during True. on the Saturdays, and you'd get to the game. And I used to hate it. You have to get there at twelve thirty for a two o'clock start, <laughs> and then you'd play your two and a half hours, and you go to Prezzos, and then you'd go to the pub Couple after. Then on the yeah. Sunday, your <laughs> partner was to say, "Where were you all yesterday?" Can't feel your leg Sunday either. <laughs> so. I, if there was an LDU laid out round twenty three or whatever he was round twenty two. I would have had no hope to compete. Um, but in terms of strategy, strategy, it does change a bit up, particularly around these real new age ones who, like the part of the advantage of going value is not only you can hopefully generate some more cash, but it might mean by saving some money off the top end, you might have more money for the bottom end and have safer rookies or less rookies on your field. But knowing that certain... With the loopholes, you might be able to get two looks at a rookie with the, um, having one as an emergency and doing all that sort of stuff might mean that you can have more rookies on the field knowing that you've got two cracks at the cherry for that rookie, which then means, well, I can then save the money rather than taking a haircut on my top end. I can put him as a, a gun premium. I've got two looks at him to be a captain and then get the high score with the captain. So it potentially adds to the guns and rooks philosophy, but as I said, I'd, I'd play super coach and try to be competitive in it, and I try not to do too much of that yeah. bench loopy and stuff because I also feel like as much as we love this game, if you get too, like any hobby, if you get too overindulged in it, you can start yeah. getting a bit of burnout. And when, you, when you're doing well and you're, you're trading well, you start seeing it well, like you start feeling feeling it. And then, um, so I think it's important to be keep that mind refreshed as well and there's almost an advantage to, to switch off over that weekend as well. I, lo- I love that take, yeah. mate, because Mitch is a sweaty. Mitch is, I, I Mitch is it. the guy oh, it. sweating over his laptop, and I love the idea of just being able to chill out. I think, like, the point well, you make is... just them done. I, I ride it more than anyone. But even, like, and that's where you mentioned ownership. Like, there's a few on Twitter who, oh, I'm trying to think last year, say Ron Marshall might have had a slow start or got subbed off, and they're panicking on Twitter. So, well... You can't be panicking about that. Like, if you panic about a, a most popular person in the top thousand getting subbed off, yeah. then it's gonna, you're not going to be our last of the year. Yeah. You need to sort of – you get nervous about your mid-prices who are, who are lowly owed, no yeah, question. when you trade in at Cullen Mills and he goes for a three, that's when you, <laughs> that's that's when you panic. <laughs> at the end yeah. of the day, like, if you – I'm going to give myself a plug here. So we're, we're launching, hopefully, a new product 
Um, yes, I'm very excited about this. Aim towards round zero, the, the opening round. So keep an eye out for that. Hopefully, it'll be around the next. Well, hopefully, the next week, a bit over a week, we'll be able to launch it. But there'll be little rules in that, which is there'll be a hard lockout from the Saturday morning. So you'll know the teams from the Friday final teams. You have one look at a loophole if you want to loop, but you then. You don't have to rush home from work or from the pub on a Friday to put your team in and still fix it on a Saturday. Come Saturday, if you get an injury early, like the real-life AFL, there's there's subs. You If your player plays less than 40% game time, you'll get the hire of either your emergency for that position or them. So you say the Callum Mills, you already got hit with the low score on field, the price yeah, drop and triple, the horse yeah. trade, whereas at least this softens the blow with the initial one, which then throws in the element of, We'll do on more strength in our benches because you might have a more of a chance with this forty with a concussion forty percent rule, and then you might not want a loophole because you then sacrifice that emergency. So, a few more ways in there to hopefully have people to enjoy the game and, and switch off, and particularly around this round zero, which is we're hopefully going to have a, a decent prize for. Yeah. Um, yeah, people have a bit of fun with that. Absolutely. I, the more and more I think about it, the more excited I am for round zero. I think it's going to be, I don't know, I, I used to be anti-round zero, but now I'm coming around to it. And, and these great competitions, um, you know, I think will be even more so to get around it. So definitely get around that. Um, let's talk about those trades and things like that. When you are talking about different points in the season, like how do you approach trading in the early parts of the season versus mid parts and the end of the season? Do you sort of see the the year in different kind of, I guess, sections or, or talk a bit about that in terms of different levels of strategy? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, you mentioned early earlier that it is a trading game, which as said it is. Like I think my year when I won by that record, a margin I was coming 19,000th after the first week. So... We're all we're all in it together, and then that's when you, particularly early, that's the fix-up trades, and you start seeing those mid-prices who you liked, but you just want to see surety on roll. When you get that and the scores, that's when you can jump on them in those early rounds. In terms of how it changes the season goes on, depending on rank, so that's when you can look at whether if you're trying to shoot towards the top thousand, you can look at the the ownership figures of the top thousand and try to pick someone who's not in that or trade yep. out someone who's underperforming who's in that. So I think those deep dive ownership numbers are important, particularly around the main ownership number on the platform. It's quite often skewed. Like I'll put in a draft team and I get auto filled a classic team full of um, Alton and Richmond players who play the first yeah, night. Yeah. The whole ownerships are never quite exact. So if you can get the, yeah, the top thousand, top hundred ownership percentage, give you a better feel for what everyone's doing and, and try to trade around that if you're going towards a pointy end and obviously play safety if you want to preserve your rank or whether it's in your league and, and trade in the popular players there. So it depends where you, what your aims are. But, yeah, the trading game and looking at ownerships become um, – that's all part of the fun during the season. Absolutely. Beautiful, mate. You've been so generous with your time. If we can get you for one last question, we're going to ask a, a sort of player-specific question here. Rux has obviously been a hot topic in this This one I threw so in for far. my own personal benefit because <laughs> Mitch, I am battling for this decision. Mitch uh, is being self-indulgent. Yeah. So Mitch wants to know. Do you want to... Do you <laughs> want to others, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, no, you go. You go. This is for um, people. So we want to know, Gorn, Grundy, uh, x how are we rating these guys? Where do you see the best value? Who are we starting in Classic. Yeah, if you could prioritise them. Ranking one to three in terms of best order. <laughs> well, scoring-wise, it's Gorn, Grundy, Cherry, but yeah, I think that's easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, if there were, if you could, if there was a utility position in this game, which I mentioned that um, uh, round zero 
comp will have a utility position oh, to one of these birds that could be in there. You'll be able to one hundred percent. I'll be picking all three of them. So I don't think when we talked about you can win or lose the Hilux unless there's an early injury to one of them in the first five rounds. I don't think that uh, the decision between that combination is going to be uh, going to hurt. I think they're all three are good picks for a reason. So I'm sitting on the fence a little bit. If you like, if you want to be talked into Cherry, at least you can say, well, at least he hasn't got an early buy. But yeah. the other two is like, well, they're going to potentially push the top two rucks. So. Um, you can mount a boat, Algen for both. My current super coach is sitting with Gorn and Grundy, if that gives any indication. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, there All you right. go, mate. That's, that's, I'll take made. that. I'll take that. And you've <laughs> at least talked me off the edge, and I don't have to panic too much about it since they're all good picks. But we'll have to wait and see, obviously, with the round zero. So thank you very much, Sylvie, for your time. If if anyone listening has not checked out Marerasmagic.com, go and check it out. Get your season guide. A good portion of those uh, funds go towards uh, Starlight. Do you want to maybe just fill the audience in uh, about Starlight and what's going on there? It's obviously a really good cause, um, and, and let us know what's what's the initiative and, and how it all works from that point of view? Yeah, so we've been supporting them from the season guide from the start, which I think was seven years ago. So in that time, we've granted 26 wishes, I think, at average $6,500 to wow. a sick family. So we're aiming again to do another four this year, which would be the 26K mark. Awesome, so mate. first 26K, if we hit it, um, that will be donated to Starlight out of the season guide proceeds. Awesome. Yeah, that's a great, great cause. And um, it, it really is worth your money. It, it, it's like the best guide going around. And um, you've even you've even crossed over into basketball. Uh, checked out the, the basketball, um, mariawasmagic.com season guide uh, last season. And it's 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 a banger there as well. So well worth your time checking that, that one out, guys, if you haven't already. Um, we've already talked about your opening round, but is there anything else coming up that you want to plug quickly before we sign you off? No, that's the main one. If you just keep an ear to the ground for this comp, it should be good fun. Hoping to get a few little um, private groups in there as well. So you might have a Bulbo's group for this round zero comp. Hoping the prize will be good enough and uh, a bit of fun, especially as you know, we put so much, what do you say, 3,000 change in this starting spot. <laughs> Sometimes it's good to have this. It's like when you play with basketball draft, you've got multiple leagues that it's, it kind of diversifies <laughs> yeah. a little bit of promotion. So. Yep. Have this second little thing going on. I know it's hard enough to keep control of one team, let alone two, or those who play super coach as well, three, but sometimes it's good to kind of diversify a little bit and yeah. see what you do. So check out, wait, yeah, keep an eye out for that. Hopefully you have an announcement in the next um, oh, 10 days or so. Beautiful. Very, very exciting. Thank you very much for coming on the show, Selby. Uh, if you guys enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to give it a big thumbs up over on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button and find us on Twitter. We've got plenty of more content coming around. Practice matches are just around the corner, Luke. Here we we've go. Got, we've got footy to look out for, so stay tuned, guys, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Beautiful. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.